just listen. What's up, what's up? It's your boy AT and your boy AE coming to you live and direct with another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life where we break down the bars, relate to the rhymes so we can shed light on our lives. Just listen. Welcome to part two of our Bars, Rhymes and Life episode on Most Deaf Mathematics. Alan, who's next? I'm up next. It's one universal law, but two sides to every story. Three strikes and you're bidding for life mandatory. Yeah, it's one universal law, but two sides to every story. Three strikes and you're bidding for life mandatory. Snap. <laughs> There's so much in these bars. So much. One universal law, but two sides to every story. There's this thing, I don't know if you've heard of it, called enlightened centrism. It's basically just like a criticism of like centrist politics where people who will kind of sit on the side and you know like when trump responded to the charlottesville um fascist rally by saying there are good people on both sides and people were like hang on a second those were like actual neo-nazis you can't say there are good people on both sides <laughs> like that's it's that kind of response that says oh you know they're both as bad as each other and and when that's clearly not the case right but and although i don't subscribe to that it's true that there is a story behind every action. And even if those actions are like morally wrong and we don't agree with them, there's still a story behind them because things don't happen in a vacuum. And so although, you know, we don't want to absolve people of like the responsibilities of their actions, it does sometimes help to explain their actions or give context to them, which is important. There's a quote from the author John Green. He says that the truth resists simplicity. And it's kind of the opposite of like Occam's razor, which is like the simplest answer is usually true, which makes sense for like the physical realm of sciences. But for social phenomena, things are more complex than that. And when you try to distill something down to a simple statement, you often leave a lot of things out. And you don't, you know, it's like a newspaper headline. You know, there's way more to it than that. And the truth can't be distilled down to one simple statement. So it's it's always worth looking at the context of people's actions. And I think that's especially true if those actions have led to them getting their third strike. Because I, I listened to an Ear Hustle episode about this, Three Strikes Law. It's a podcast recorded in a prison. And it's just unbelievable to me that this exists. Because the sentence doesn't match the crime just the frequency you've done the third third crime whatever it is and you get a life sentence and that is always gonna hit disadvantaged people harder because they're more likely to reoffend. and i just i cannot understand how that is still a law it's mad man i'm in full agreement with you and this is probably the first time or it might be a brl first in the sense that i think what i'm going to say in relation to this line actually follows on from what you've just described so First thing was, I just brought up a definition of the law because he said it was one universal law. And you know what? I don't think I've ever, ever searched 
the definition of law. So I did it. Hmm. And this is what I got. Law is a system of rules that are created and enforced through social or governmental institutions to regulate behavior. It has been defined both as a science of justice and the art of justice. Law is a system that regulates and ensures that individuals or a community adhere to the will of the state. And I don't know about you, but whenever I've ever thought of law, I've always thought of it like law is the rules. Law is like it's one rule for all. But if you understand the art in the art of justice, which in my opinion means articulation, then you can manipulate the law and bend it to your own needs. And that's why I think of like the three strikes rule is such a clever tie-in with the Ricky Ross lines because through learning, through his ability to learn and teach himself how to read, he was able to articulate and use the art of the law to gain his freedom. And do struggle with the concept because it is actually the will of the state. And so if a certain type of population or a certain subtype of person is being persecuted, it's coming from the state. It's coming from the government. It isn't coming from individuals. It's coming as a collective. And and then when people try to argue back about institutional racism, you kind of you read you read that definition of law and you kind of say, no one you none of you lot have a leg to stand on. You really don't. That's that's the way I look at it. It's just my opinion, right? Including probation, correctional facilities, and prisons. There are 11.38 million people under control by prison types of facilities in the USA. But just prisoners, yeah? So, Alan, just for prisoners in prisons, there are 2.12 million prisoners in the USA. In the rest of the world, including countries such as India, Russia, China, Brazil, there are approximately 5,900,076 prisoners. Just for ease sake, let's just turn that to 6 million. I'm going to run you some more mathematics. Stat Abby's back out here again, yeah? (laughs) The stats that I just mentioned means that 26% of all the world's prisoners live in the USA. That's just slightly over a quarter of the world's prisoners reside in the USA, the so-called land of the free. I just want to also just, again, I just need to like, like I said, it's mathematics, yeah? We're not, you can't argue numbers, right? There are 327 million people that live in the USA. There are 7.7 billion people that live in the rest of the world. How does a country that represents 0.042 of the world's population have more prisoners than anywhere else in the world, Alan? How does a country that represents 0.042 of the rest of the world's population have more than a quarter prisoners than the rest of the world? It's all mathematics, isn't it? Fucking hell, man. (laughs) <laughs> this is what you've been putting me through because I start breaking this stuff down and not only does it like super depress me, but it's just like, how, how, how are people not seeing this? I, I mean, I'll be honest and say that even I didn't see it, but now that I've read it, I can't let go of it. I literally cannot let go of it. And it makes me, it, you know what? I'm not even going to lie. It proper makes me feel shit. It makes me feel bad, man. Yeah. It's, it's something seriously broken in that country. And it's going to take a while to fix it, if they ever fix it. It shouldn't be like that. Depressing. It is. You're up again. Give us some more math. Four MCs murders in the last four years. I ain't trying to be the fifth when the millennium is here. Yo, it's six million ways to die from the seven deadly thrills. Eight-year-olds getting found with nine mils. 
Four MCs murdered in the last four years. I ain't trying to be the fifth when the millennium is here. Yo, it's six million ways to die from the seven deadly thrills. Eight year olds getting found with nine mils. Now, Alan, I didn't know if you knew this, but I did not know that four hip hop artists got killed in four consecutive years. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So, Park, 96. Biggie, 97. Fat Pat, 98. Big L, 99. And so Damn. that's what most meant by that, those lines, yeah? He meant that I don't want to be the fifth in the millennium because that would have made him 2000 and it would have made him the fifth rapper to get killed. Now, come on. Who delivers bars like that? <laughs> who does that? That's just it's different, man. Like, it's incredible. And then the last line, eight-year-olds getting found in nine mils. Now, obviously... Most is alluding to the fact that children younger as eight years old are being found with guns, right? But I wanted to just have a little bit of fun and I just was thinking about it. Just something a thought crossed my mind. Could most have ever predicted that Ryan Kaji or Kaji, forgive me for poor pronunciation, who's nine year old, he's nine year old now, through his YouTube channel, earned $26 million in 2019 and something similar to that effect in 2018. So he's technically an eight-year-old with nine million in his pocket. In some ways, that's just as preposterous, isn't it? Let's be real. (laughs) Did he predict that? If he meant that, as well as the the eight-year-olds with nine mils in the back of their pocket, he's going goat again, isn't he? He's going goat. Next next level, if you predicted YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. You're up again. Wow, I went, you know, as I said, I went in. Sorry, guys, for too much of my voice. I know Alan sounds better than me. Um, when the average minimum wage is 5.15, you best believe you've got to find a new way to get cream. The white unemployment rate is more than triple for black. When the average minimum wage is 5.15, you best believe you got to find a new grind to get cream. The white unemployment rate is nearly more than triple for black. I went a little bit off key here again. Um, I didn't want to try and go too hard into deciphering him too much. I wanted to put a UK perspective on it because we live in this country and stuff. So a bit more stat abby again. A lot of, stati- lot of statistics coming your way today, Alan. <laughs> Hope like you can handle it all, right? The average house price in the UK is 250,000k, yeah? Oh, 250,000 uh, pound. Minimum wage in the UK is £8.72 as of this year, right? So let's just ignore for the, the, just for just a hypothetical, let's just ignore that people need to eat, pay for things like heat and gas for a minute. Let's just ignore that. Most employees will only let an employee work for a maximum of 48 hours per week under the most recent working time directive. So at an hourly rate of £8.72 per hour, the most someone on a minimum wage can earn is £1,674 per month. To get the best mortgage rate, you usually have to put down a 25% deposit. So using the average UK home price of £250,000, how long does it take someone on minimum wage to save for a deposit on a house? I hope you're not asking me because I do not have my math head on. <laughs> I was just giving you, I was giving you an opportunity to guess, but don't worry, I'll give you the answer. 149 months, which is 12 years. Okay, now. So, so Alan, sorry, mate. You're on minimum wage. Do you mind starving for 12 years? Is that all right? 
Do you, do and you how mind? much does the house price go up in 12 years? Do you, do you, do, hey, good point. But I just want to say, like, uh, sorry, I want you to starve for 12 years. I want you to have no heating for 12 years. And I want you to probably like not pay your water bill for 12 years. And you <laughs> might just be able to earn yourself a house. And like, this is what I hate. Like you have these straight up tosses that cuss people for being on benefits and taking up housing for quote unquote real workers or whatever that means. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Like the game is so rigged. And if it's rigged in the UK, you damn sure it's going to be rigged in the USA. It's, it's you know, like it's just, I use UK as almost a softer version of the USA. Mm. And I'm really proud of the UK compared to the USA. And I think I'll discuss that in later pods. Like I've, we've, we've gone through that, that feeling of wanting to live in America when I was in my adolescence and sort of stuff. But, you know, I've grown proud of what the UK is compared to the rest of the world in certain factors and not in some other factors, right? Um, but I just say, like, the game is rigged. You can't, like, imagine being a hard worker on minimum wage, doing everything that you can, but look what look what it takes for you to get on the housing ladder. It's, it's next to impossible. And that was a really important point that you brought up that I didn't even think about, is how much did the prices go up in those 12 years? Like, it's just like, it's like reaching for something that just, just keeps going up and up and up, further and further away from you. And, you, you, you know, you keep jumping... But you just you can't get there. And then you buy yourself a trampette and it still doesn't give you enough height. So then you go and buy yourself a trampoline, but you still just can't get enough height. It just just keeps going stratospheric. And they've just like the game is against them. The white unemployment rate is nearly more than triple for black. Alan, what is the triple of five? Fifteen. What did he say the minimum wage was? Five fifteen. Come on, bro. <laughs> Bruv, what is this, he doing? This, this is subliminal. This guy don't play. This guy don't play. And I'm going to speak a little bit more with regards to that. But I just thought that was incredible as well, man. It's just so clever. It's so subtle. You miss it if you didn't pay attention to it. I definitely missed it. <laughs> man, this guy's different. You can keep going, mate. You're off again. Oh, okay. Please forgive me for my delivery here. If I flap, I'll edit out and go again. Budget cutbacks, but increased police presence. And if you get out of the prison still living, join the other 5 million under state supervision. This is business, no faces, just lines and statistics. From your phone, your zip code to SSI digits. The system break man, child and women into figures. Two columns for who is and who ain't N-words. Numbers is hard and real. They never have feelings. But you push too hard, even numbers got limits. Why did the one straw break the camel's back? Here's the secret. The million other straws underneath it. It's all mathematics. Budget cutbacks but increased police presence. And even if you get out of prison, still living, join the other five million under state supervision. This is business. No faces, just lines and statistics. From your phone, your zip code, the SSI digits. The system break man, child, and women in the figures. Two columns for who is and who ain't niggas. Numbers is hard and real and they never have feelings. But you push too hard, even numbers got limits. Why did one straw break the camel's back? Here's the secret. The million other straws underneath it. It's all mathematics. Ooh. Several semi-snaps there. Part of me wants you to go, Alan, because I feel like what I'm going to end on isn't like, it's a little bit long-winded, but it's not even particular. So I think you should go first, bro. <laughs> Fair enough. So I actually broke this into two. So the first one, as you said, this is a business. No faces, just lines and statistics. This line 
it's just all of these lines are so damn hard. And again, this song is 20 years old, right? No Facebook, no social internet. Google was like one or two years old when this song was released. And I think this line, more than any of the others, it seems even more true now than it was then. Because it's not just, you know, your phone, your zip code, your SSI digits. It's everything you've ever done on Facebook. It's every site you visit, your GPS location, facial recognition, digital passport. People are easier to track than ever before, ever before. And then when you think about the role of machine learning algorithms in decision-making, this line becomes even scarier because all of the bias in the statistics that he's talking about, those statistics have then been used to train algorithms to make important decisions that affect people's lives, like from insurance costs, whether you get a house, court sentences, all of those sorts of things. So we've essentially digitized our biases and encoded them into all of our systems. And because of the way that things like neural networks work, you don't have to tell it that a certain group of people is black or white or poor or rich. It will learn that on its own. Like you don't have to give it that information. You can say, oh, it's not racially biased because we took out the data on ethnicity. It doesn't matter. A neural network will pick up that information by using associated variables. It will still be able to group those people together because it will just find the patterns in the statistics. That's what they're built to do. And so you, it's really difficult to take those human biases out of the data. And it's built into those systems. So when he says, you know, there's two columns for who is and who ain't N-words, it's like those systems really can tell who is white and who is black. And even if they're not written to do that, they can do it and they make the decisions. It's kind of terrifying. Is that like, it, could you enlighten me on the fact that by in training training themselves like that, then all they do is just multiply those decisions by a thousand, by ten, and it just, you know, it's sweeping against populations rather than just, you know, how a government might make a law and it just affects people within that state or within a, that country. This is like globalization, biases and non-biases, correct? Yeah, because... It, it reinforces, the algorithms reinforce themselves. If you have an algorithm that decides whether or not you get given an, a loan by a bank and it keeps persistently rejecting people of a certain ethnicity without even being told what their ethnicity is, if it keeps doing that, and then when other companies try to write new algorithms and say, well, let's see who's been rejected before. Oh, it's all these people. Just keep reinforcing it until it's so ingrained into a, into our data that it, it's impossible to escape. That's crazy. I mean, it's just, I keep saying it, man. You like, you've just ruined my week and you've made me super, <laughs> super depressed. Well, right. let, me, let me add some more to that. Oh. I'll follow straight up with... Why did one straw break the camel's back? Here's the secret, the million other straws underneath it. What was it about George Floyd that made things kick off the way they did, right? Why were, why him and not any of the other black Americans who were killed by the cops? And of course, Mos Def answered this question 20 years ago. Here's the secret, the million other straws underneath it. And, you know, whether or not that that, emotion and that movement and that anger actually keeps its momentum is another question 
But in that moment and at that time, it was like the final straw that made people snap and take notice and to, you know, to really, really had an impact in a way that others just hadn't because of that build up. Um, and like I said, I hope it isn't forgotten and I hope the straws don't keep piling up. But then again, here we are talking about a, you know, a 20 year old song that could have been written yesterday. So we might have a bit of a way to go. Oh man, that's so poignant, so true, and so sad. It's so sad, and even uh, I love that that thought process of actually when you think of Sandra Bland, you think of um, Eric Garner. Yeah, even, like you, you kind of go, "Wow, I never really thought of it in the sense that there was a million straws before, and actually that was the final straw, and it was the weight of that that finally made it snap." That's incredible. That's inc- it's incredible imagery, but it's sad imagery. It's like, you know, it's depressing. And we've said it before. And I think eventually when we, we're looking at March, isn't it? We've been saying March 2021, March, April, the trial for George Floyd's murder is going to occur. And that we were going to continuously mention it whenever the chance presents itself. We did have that discussion about, is it wrong to just continuously mention it? And I think we came to the conclusion that it's not. Because the moment that we stop talking about it, then who else is? Because mainstream media isn't. I I haven't heard the name for God knows how long. But let's let's hope, let's pray, and let's let's think about it. Mad. Anything else to add, Alan? Or that's it from me. So I go back to the five dollar fifteen minimum wage, and you know all those lines that we've just described just uh, before. And I think of an Excel spreadsheet that just has two rows, and I see row one as white and I see row two as a black man or a black woman and I say hang on if you're white you're worth five pound and the black man or woman is worth 15 cents row one five row two 15 cent you, you know you either are or you're not going back to your whole data set that it it's really sad to see that most perceives life like this back in 99 and in some respects, I don't think much has changed. I really don't. And it's depressing. And I can imagine a lot of people disagreeing with us, Alan, and thinking, like, you know, what do we know? We're not economists. We're not statisticians. And I'll just say, like, you know, listen, I'm. I, I, this isn't just our opinion. All right, initially it is our opinion, but I'm going to go and close with a statement from an article that cites a quote, quote or a whole study from the London School of Economics. Tax cuts for the wealthy have long drawn support from conservative lawmakers and economists who argue that such measures will trickle down and eventually boost jobs and incomes for everyone else. But a new study from the London School of Economics says 50 years of such tax cuts have only helped one group, the rich. The new paper by David Hope of the London School of Economics and Julian Limburg of King's College London examined 18 developed countries from Australia to the United States over a 50-year period from 1965 to 2015. The study compared countries that passed tax cuts in a specific year, such as the US in 1982 when President Reagan slashed taxes on the wealthy with those that didn't, and then examined their economic outcomes. Per capita gross domestic product, GDP, and employment rates were nearly identical after five years in countries that slashed tax on the rich and in those that didn't, the study found. 
But the analysis discovered one major change. The incomes of the rich grew much faster in countries where the tax rates were lowered. Instead of trickling down to the middle class, tax cuts for the rich may not accomplish more than help the rich keep more of their riches and exacerbate income inequality, the research indicates. Based on our research, we would argue that economic rationale for keeping taxes on the rich low is weak. Uh, Julian Lindbergh, a co-author of the study and lecturer in public policy at King's College, said in an email to CBS Money Watch, in fact, if we look back into history, the period with the highest taxes on the rich, the post-war period, was also a period with high economic growth and low unemployment. I'm telling you now, straight, there's a massive struggle here between those that have it and those that don't. And until those that have it understand and accept that it's okay to be taxed a bit more because it will help benefit this country and the people and society around me. We're never ever gonna we're never ever gonna improve as a as a culture or as a country, or as countries or as a world. That's the the London School of Economics describing that. Not me, not Alan, a genuine expert in economics and money. I don't know what else you have to say, Alan. Reaganomics, isn't it? trickle down economics listen to most deaf um i just want to say thanks to you alan thanks to most deaf all his listeners thank you so much for the fire and the heat and the truth and the knowledge it's the, it's a depressing fact but you know love to all one peace mighty most deaf it's simple mathematics check it out i'll revolve around science what are we talking about here Mighty most deaf. It's simple mathematics. Check it out. I revolve around science. What are we talking about here? Mathematics, 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 mathematics.